Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I went through years of not sharing what I was going through and just struggling with it on my own. It was only after I started sharing my struggles openly that I really made the true connections in my life, which is exactly what I was wanting and longing for in my life. And come to find out everybody was struggling just the same, maybe in just different ways, you know? There's a difference between a dream chaser and a dream catcher. Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dreams. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. I've got the grand pleasure of having Pratiti Pathik with me today. Pratiti, how are you? I am doing fantastic, and I am so excited to be here with you, Jerome. I'm grateful that you were kind enough to take time out of your schedule to come share with the listeners today. What part of the world are you in? I am in Pennsylvania, United States. Pennsylvania. Were you born here? I was not. I am uh, Indian descent. I was born in India, but I have been here since I was two. So do the math. We 49 years. I've been here for 49 years. (laughs) 51, baby. (laughs) This is exciting. Nobody would know you were 51 if they're watching the video. I can guarantee you that. So A lot of Maybelline helps. A lot of Maybelline helps. Tell me, <laughs> how can the listeners get in contact with you after they hear the amazing things you have to say? I am on all the social media platforms, of course, as a realtor. And luckily enough, I don't have a common name. So if you just look up Pratiti Pathic, you will find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I have a YouTube channel. I'm in LinkedIn. So she's not hard to find, ladies so and gentlemen. Easy. She's so easy. Yeah, not hard to so find. Easy. And my uh, my website is Pratiti, P-R-A-T-I-T-I dot K-W Realty dot com. So tell me, how did you get into the world of real estate? And was there stuff before that? 
Absolutely. Yes, there was stuff before that. Um, Originally, I'm in the aerospace industry after 9-11, wasn't doing as well. Business was pretty slow. The company I was working for filed Chapter 11. And at the time, I was married and my husband suffered with anxieties. So I helped him start whatever business he wanted. And uh, being Italian guy, he wanted to do construction I didn't know a whole lot about construction, but I definitely knew business. So helped him start a construction company. I learned how to do roofing, siding, brickwork, block work, you name it. I do all of my own spackle caulk tape. I can finish concrete on my own if the pad's not too big, but I'm quite a handy woman to have around, Jerome. That's all I'm saying. Uh <laughs> what in the world so good i know a little tiny indian woman ripping a roof is pretty uh interesting sight (laughs) to see fast forward 2007 i uh divorced and i started my own painting business as a house painter and i loved doing that had a good business but it was right when the market was starting to hit us and uh some of the builders that used me exclusively ended up giving my paintwork away to their own guys to keep them busy and uh you know that was just the way things were in the world just like you know we anything anytime in the world we don't have control over but then fast forward a little bit more than that and in 2009 I lost my only child my son Bevan he was 17 um, one of the most amazing people I've ever known he uh, climbed a high voltage structure touched a wire by accident and fell 40 feet so it was literally just an accident it just was a struggle for me between my son's loss it you know it was to say in the least, completely derailed. And I just did everything I could to keep going. I actually even went and got hired at a public adjuster's company just so I could have a place to go every day because my business was slow and I really needed to be in front of people every single day. Like you could easily just crawl under a rock and not come out when something like that happens. Though from the moment that it did happen, I promised myself that I would get up every morning, you know, brush my teeth, wash my face, get dressed, and at least go to the local 7-Eleven to go get coffee just to make sure that I was in front of people first thing in the morning because that was just in itself a struggle. Yeah. And so usually when something traumatic happens, people isolate, especially when they realize that they don't have the tools to deal with it. And so that was super important. So I'm glad that you took those steps because, as you said, you could have just went in a hole and just kind of vanished and totally detached. And I'm just hearing it in your voice. I mean, you still love him deeply today. So I can't imagine losing Kay or Leah for sure. So did that create a new vigor or zest when you decided, hey, I've got to move forward and continue to live my life. I can't just stay here. Or was it just really a slow, gradual process and you just kind of found your way? Well, I think that for me personally um, and everybody's uh, experience with loss is very different, though I can just say that for me, like it took two years. Like when you have uh, a loss, 
especially a loss of a child or a parent. So many other things are lost with that. There were so many losses that came along with just the loss of him, right? All the interaction, everything that you do. And for me, him being my only child, it wasn't like I had other children to have the same activities. I just went from like active duty to no duty. And, and he was still a kid in school. So it was his junior year for everything that was going on with the economy so it affected, you know, not only was I going through the loss of my son, but my business was changing. Like basically everything in my life was changing and pivoting. So I went from really just wanting to jump off of a bridge every single day to saying to myself, okay, well, you're not going to jump off a bridge, right? Because when you have that, you either are going to choose to live or you're going to choose to die. And if you're going to choose to live, then you better figure that out. <laughs> so that's really what it was. And I had just started dating somebody seven months prior to the loss of my son. So I had a tremendous amount of support through him, my family, my friends, his friends. We just have, I'm blessed. I have a lot of, lot of support, a lot of people who love me and are there for me. So it was not easy. And the choice wasn't just made, but it did evolve over time for sure. And then being in construction, painting, all of that, we were in the down market of the economy. So real estate was being offered out there for like peanuts because obviously they wanted realtors. So I was like, yes, let me get in there. I want to do that. I really wanted to change my mindset, you know, change my life and, um, still wanted to continue having that same reason in my life. Like I always was setting an example for my son, Bevan. I always was letting him know that he could reinvent himself over and over. He does not have to pick one thing to be for the rest of his life that you can always choose something new and absolutely be successful each and every time you just want to be, you know, whatever your passions are, they're going to change over time. And my passion was always connecting with people, building and creating relationships. So that part would stay the same. And so when I went into real estate, uh, like I said, it was 2012 and it was the middle of the down market. I was offered a position as a loan processor and I took that opportunity. That way I felt like everything there is to do with real estate, I would have a really solid knowledge to be able to help my clients with. So that's what I did. Wow. And so I, I want to go back to the, the bottom, right? So it's usually a valley and then you come back up. Do you remember what happened when you chose life? This is going to be the red pill moment for this conversation. Yes. And it's certainly, that's a really good analogy because there definitely was a blue pill and a red pill in front of me for sure. And I wanted that blue pill, trust me. And I chose the red because it is very easy to be, and I have been in many, many dark spaces. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't take long. Like even today when people say, okay, well, it's been 11 years. Well, sometimes it's like 11 years, 11 minutes, you know, it feels the same because the only thing that changes at that point is the moments aren't maybe as intense as often, 
right? That's what changes. It doesn't mean that you're never going to have an intense moment of just solid grief. But the moment it changed for me was, um, and I was fighting against it, is uh, at the time my boyfriend had, you know, given me books to read and I really couldn't read them. So he was kind enough to like just lay there with me and read them to me, which was... um, thank gosh, because I just couldn't do it for myself. But what he encouraged me to do was to go to a support group. And that support group was Compassionate Friends, which is strictly for bereaved parents. And I absolutely wanted nothing to do with it because I just felt like, no, I don't want to be a member of that group because that would just, you know, solidify the fact that this actually was my life. And I already was struggling with my own sad story. The last thing I wanted to do was hear everybody else's sad story. And so I really fought against it for the first few months. And then finally, I I was really struggling. And I just felt like I'm going to lose my mind. So I said, yeah, I want, I want to go. And I think that was probably the, the first time that I really felt connected with somebody who truly knew what I was going through, though, even, it, you know, no matter how many parents I have met that have lost their child, everybody's situation is different. Everybody's loss in the way that they were lost was different. Everybody's relationship with their child is different. And everybody's family number dynamic is different. So that I think is what the most amazing part of connecting with anybody through sharing an experience is it doesn't have to be the same experience. It just has to be the fact that you are in the presence of somebody who truly can relate to your depth of pain. And that probably makes all the difference. I think so. Without question. Right. Because now you're not alone. Yes. Right. You're not the only, it's easy to put on shame and feel like you're the only one and nobody can possibly understand. And then you're stuck in that space. So I think you articulated that really well. And again, uh, so was there a moment in like the support group where you're like, okay, I'm going to move forward? Or did you make that decision before you moved into the support group? Like, when was that moment where you're like, I'm going to live, I'm going to get better, I'm going to go and be the best pretty I can be? Well, and I, oh, you you say it like make me sound like a rock star. Trust me, it did not happen that way, my friends. <laughs> it did not happen that way. It just it just evolved gradually, and it wasn't that I made the decision to okay, I'm going to take life by the horns again. It really was that very first night. It ha- his accident was on a Friday night, and it was Saturday morning where you woke up. I wouldn't even say it waking up. You actually just, you know, moved from one area of, you know, the, the, the room to the other because we were up pretty much all night. But it was the next morning where it was just a very numb feeling. And it was just a question to myself. And it's just like, what are you going to do? And it was like, you're going to go in the bathroom and you're going to brush your teeth and you're going to get dressed and you're going to go get coffee. Not because there wasn't coffee downstairs in the kitchen, but because you needed to just feel some sort of life, you know, because it, it there wasn't any. And I would have to say that it's 
been just kind of going through the motions, staying positive, really encouraging others. I went to the support group that very first month. I can tell you right now, I did not even want to go back the second month. I went and, and, and my boyfriend was like, how, how, so what do you think? I said, I think exactly what I said. I don't want to hear everybody else's sad story. This is horrible. This was, you know, it's like crying through the whole talking. And at the same time, the very next month came along and I was like, yep, I want to go again. And then by the end of that year, I was speaking at the life at the, the candle lighting that we have every year in memory of our children. So I now was speaking at the at the conference at the candle lighting and uh, reading a poem and doing all the things and fully participating in everything and just being everything I can to be an inspiration to anybody else who's going through that. Okay, and so if we hop back, you talked about being a loan processor, but then you mentioned Keller Williams. They don't make loans, and you've also told me about coaching. So something's happened over the past of. Uh, past few years. So yes. So since my son's accident, I actually changed three careers, right? I went from being a painting contractor to deciding to go ahead and get my real estate license. But like I said, we were right in the middle of the down market. So in 2012, when I got my real estate license, I was offered a position as a loan processor and that still had to do with real estate. So, you know, people are taking loans to buy properties. So I knew that as a realtor, I would be helping people through that loan process. So it was a good piece of knowledge to know. And while the market was down, it was a good opportunity to learn that part as well. So adding the coaching in just makes sense to me because I've always been in the coaching and mentoring space with my son. I have a sister who's eight years younger than me. So I've always been that go-to person that people have come to for not necessarily advice, but it was always like, hey, Pertadia, I'm going through this with my kids. Hey, Pertadia, I'm going through this with my spouse or my boyfriend or my job or my colleagues or my boss or whatever it was. I happen to be that person that can stay objective and talk to them and help them see a different perspective, not necessarily that they're right or wrong. So when I came across life coaching, it just... That's where my passion's always been. So did you get into the space because you had a coach and a wonderful experience? Or was it just you saw that your talents aligned and people were already naturally drawn to you? And so you wanted to figure out a way to work more in your genius zone? So a little bit of everything, but before the aerospace, so going all the way back to young Pratiti. I went to school for criminal justice and psychology. So that has always been number one in interest. If I, if I talk to you for three hours, Jerome, you'll be like, I can't believe how much you've done. So that was initially. And when my niece turned 18, she graduated high school. She was like, I'm going to go to school for psychology. So I was just like, yes, this is a perfect way for me to connect with her on that level. My niece has uh, struggled a lot with the loss of my son. She was very close with my son, as all my nieces are. And so I decided to look up a podcast for empowering young women. And I came across the Life Coach School with Brooke Castilla. 
started listening to her and I was just blown away because she resonated with everything that I had already been doing in my life. I just wasn't doing it with that formula, if you will. So when I was listening to her, I was just like, I definitely, this is, this is what I've always been doing. I, I say that I have ADD and I just need to talk to everybody all the time, but really this is what I'm passionate about is having these conversations with people. So fast forward a year later, I joined self-coaching scholars. And then a year after that, I jumped into the certification program and that's where I am right now. I hired a business coach, created a program and I'm loving every moment of it. What's up, Tribe? It's your host, Jerome. I just want to let you know that we put together a free 15-point checklist for exiting the matrix. Jump on over to dreamshouldbereal.com in order to pick your free copy up. Let's get back to the show. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And I think you can probably talk to people wherever they are. You can meet them exactly where they are and help them walk out of wherever they're in. So... What's been your worst fear over this journey, this amazing journey that you've been on? And how'd you get over it? Or how'd you break through? I I will have to say that my worst fears were probably, I won't even call it a fear, but it was a self-sabotage that there was this subconscious thought that was looping in my brain that I really wasn't aware of until I had gone through and done so much of this self-coaching. Literally, probably the past two and a half years have been just a deep dive on personal growth and just getting back to who Pratiti was before my son's accident. So to answer, go all the way back to your original question, where did I change it and pivot it? Probably in the past few years. And so it wasn't a fear, but what I realized is All of my life, my big why, I won't say all of my life, but after my son's accident and when people say like, what is your big why on why you're doing what you're doing? And my main big why was that I wanted to always continue being that example that I was putting in front of my son and doing all the things that I talked about with him. We always had life talk and I felt like if I didn't stay on that path, then pretty much everything I had ever said to him was a complete lie, you know? And, and I, I just felt like I am always going to be affecting him, whether he's here or not, just by the mere fact that anybody who walks by and says that's Devin's mom, because for all of his peers, that's how they know me, right? They know me as Devin's mom. And I'm very close with all of his peers. He had amazing friend circle. And so the fear was, is that not staying on that course and the self-sabotage that kept coming up for me was every time I was on a path of doing really well and getting super excited about doing really well, instantly, all of a sudden I would self-sabotage and feel like crap or eat a bunch of crappy food and lose energy and not understanding why is this happening? Like what's happening? And here, you know, after really digging deep into 
myself, I was realizing that somehow I wasn't allowing myself the permission to be more successful or to do good or do well while he wasn't here to benefit from it. Because while my son was here, majority of that time I was married and we struggled financially. He got all the love and everything that he needed. He got all of the life. But for this little thing that you're primitive brain likes to do is play tricks on you and tweak your thoughts just in a way to mess around with you and make you think of some shit that isn't true and is like, how dare you be happy? How dare you do good? How dare you do better today than you did yesterday? And you're not good enough to do that. So it's all that self-loathing that comes into effect. But that little extra bit of doing better than than I did when he was here and now he's not here to benefit from it was really messing around with me a lot. Whoa. So deep. (laughs) That's so raw though, right? I mean, the fact that we tell ourselves we don't deserve something, even after we've earned it, but we'll say, well, that's, that's not for me. That's not my life. As if the world needs more help in telling us what we should or shouldn't have, especially as a minority, right? I mean, I suspect when you walked into a lot of places that you walked into, you were the only little Asian lady that was there, as you described yourself earlier. So that's just amazing that you have that level of introspection, because a lot of people aren't that aware. They think, oh, well, I'm a victim. Everybody else is doing this to me instead of owning, hey, I didn't do it. I didn't follow through. I didn't make the phone call. I didn't do whatever it is. I, I, it's happening. You're, you're absolutely right. Cause I have this conversation all the time though. I just want to say something. I'm grateful for so many moments that anybody else would perceive as negative moments that took place in my life. That is exactly the reason that I was prepared to handle this moment. Right. Because Like I said, I was two when I came here to this country. And at the time, I was in Northeast Philadelphia, which I'm going back more than 45, 40 years ago. And it was like blacks and whites and me. You know what I mean? And that was it. It was like I was the only Asian person in my school, in my class, all the way up until probably about the 10th grade is I didn't really see any other Asians, maybe one or two in junior high, you know, in ninth grade. But really, it was like, what are you? I'm like, um, I, I don't know. I know that maybe not a what, maybe a who. I'm pretty, you know, it just went from being bullied and getting picked on and your lunch trashed. And you're like, I remember I will never forget this little black girl. Rhonda taught me the best lessons of my life, getting my ass kicked every morning before, before and after school. And it is that story that we tell ourselves, did she really beat you up every day or was it just a few days? And you were like, oh, I got beat up every day, you know, because that's what happens. We, we, we tweak our own story to fit the narrative that we want. Right. So What ends up happening is I go through all of this bullying and not fitting in. I 
was growing up in two different cultures, trying desperately to fit into both, not fitting into either, you know, going against the grain with everything traditionally in my household. I start smoking cigarettes. My parents are like, what is with this child of ours? You know, <laughs> like get rid of her. Um, sure. You know, and I'm kidding, but you know, it's, it's all of that. And then you just fast forward, you know, I ended up and I don't mean ended up, but I started dating somebody who was American. My parents were not happy about it. So they wanted me to go to India, get married. I did not get married and ended up getting pregnant. We were supposed to be getting married. I was, you know, had my wedding gown, engagement ring, everything. And he left me when I was three months pregnant. So, you know, in the end, my parents probably felt like, see, this is what I told you was going to happen. And now it's happened. So now I was a single mother. Nobody wanted me to be a single mother. So I'm struggling going, you know, working two jobs, going to school at night, going through all these things. And I wasn't looking at it like I'm going through them. I just felt so blessed to have my son. And my son was such a lucky person. He got to grow up with me, my parents, my grandparents lived with us. My aunt and uncle from India lived with us. So he got the benefit of not just generations, but cultural generations. He just got like a wealth of knowledge and information. And so, yeah, I've gone through so many things and this is what happened is I went through years of not sharing what I was going through and just struggling with it on my own. It was only after I started sharing my struggles openly that I really made the true connections in my life, which is exactly what I was wanting and longing for in my life. And come to find out everybody was struggling just the same, maybe in just different ways, you know? You better not say that out loud. Everybody's got everything together. It's only you. Listen, bullshit, Klaus, as George Carlin said, let me just tell you, if you think you're limited because you're Asian or you're black or you have one arm or you got pimples on your nose or you got too many freckles or your hair is not the right color, then you are because it is all about the self-talk. It's all about the inner dialogue on what we want to tell ourselves, because that is really what I'm passionate about is changing how our youth tells the story to themselves and how they choose to deal with circumstances. I've gone through bullying. I've gone through racism. My parents have gone through racism, all that kind of stuff, though each and every step of the way we've had opportunities to tell ourselves no we're okay. We can just keep going. We don't have to assume the labels that somebody else is trying to put on us because in the end, it's the labels that we're putting on ourselves because we're believing them. And that's the, that's the mindset change because that's where the life coaching changes everything because here's not a new concept, right? It is our thoughts that create our feelings. It's not, oh, oh, little girl, did Sally hurt your feelings? No, Sally's not in charge of your feelings. You're in charge of hurting your own feelings. It isn't what Sally did. It's what you thought about what Sally did that hurt your feelings. You know, we're too busy as women being bred to view each other 
as competition. And it's funny because if you take a woman who doesn't find herself that attractive, she's not jealous of anybody, right? She's overweight or she's whatever. She's like, I'm good. You get an attractive woman in a room who's probably used to being the only attractive woman in the room or the most attractive woman in the room. Another attractive woman walks in, her radar's up like, what is happening right now? I got to kill people. My boyfriend, my husband is probably looking at her. And we're crazy. And it's like, well, why would you be crazy? You're attractive. Pratini, stop, 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 stop. You're, you're going know, to overload. upset people and make them take accountability and responsibility for the things. And then they can't be the victim anymore. It's a, it's right? a sad, it's a sad, sad situation. <laughs> So you beat me to the punch earlier, but I'm coming back to this, right? So, you know, you've been on this wild ride. You've had so many experiences, uh, some of it traumatic, others triumphant. What are you most grateful for? All the lessons I've learned from the shittiest moments I've gone through. What's the top lesson? Those are the reasons, you know, we don't grow from rainbows and daisies. We grow from the shit, you know, if you will, if I'm allowed to say that on your show, I'm not sure. Though, these are the moments that we should be grateful for and that we should embrace because these are the gifts of the world and the universe that we have opportunities to learn, grow and evolve from. We can't learn and grow from things always going our way. It's when things aren't going our way that we go like, hey, this is what we signed up for with the human experience. Because at the end of my life, I want to say that I have fully embraced all of the experiences that life had to offer. And I learned from them. I grew from them. Sometimes I cried from them. But most of all, I became a better version of myself each and every time. Ooh, 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 wait. So you didn't arrive at your best self after the first time? I will never arrive to my best self. I will never arrive to my best self because then who are we saying we are? You know, here, here's the funny part. And it just, it was something that was said in my life coaching school. And it was just like, you know, you have 10,000 million uh, aha moments in your life if you're lucky and you're smart and you catch them each and every time. But here's what was said. It was like, yeah, every time we say to ourselves that we're not good enough about something, we don't weigh the right weight, we don't weigh, you know, our nose is too big, our butt's not big enough or whatever those things are. It's almost like talking to our creator and going like, you know, you did a really good job, but let's talk about these balding eyebrows, huh? Because I think you kind of messed up there. <laughs> you did the whole rest of the world really great, but... Do you think I could have been a little taller? <laughs> What's with the menopause, eh? Cut it out. Cut it out. Right? How, how dare we question how, and wh how we were made? How dare we question what we're supposed to be doing? Just go do the things. Life gives you whatever it gives you. You have to just go through that and embrace all of it because that's what we're here for. We're humans. Our creator didn't say, hey, it's going to be rainbows and daisies. You in? Not at all. No. Creator said, sometimes it's going to be really amazing. Sometimes it's just going to be like, eh, okay. Sometimes it's going to be pure shit. You in? 
and we're like, hell yeah. All the way in. I'm here for all of it, right? Every last thing, the good and the bad, and I'm not going to numb it. I'm going to feel all of it. Okay. So what dream are you most focused on catching next? What makes me so grateful in my heart is just being a part of everybody else's dream. If I can just offer the tiniest bit and just be the smallest part of helping people achieve where they want to be, that is what I'm achieving. That's my greatest thing. Love that. You are a co-conspirator in the creation and the manifestation of what is in somebody's mind. Is that your gift to the world or do you have another one that you're giving it? I think my greatest gift is being open to receiving gifts from others, just learning and growing from what everybody has to offer. That's what I love about being here with you right now, because each and every one of us have something to give as a gift and each and everybody that we're talking to has a gift to give us. So what we just want to make sure that we are really great at doing is not missing out on opportunity for gifts, giving and receiving. I think the listeners got a real treat today. And I'm so grateful that you just opened up and just shared the whole experience, the things that most people aren't willing to talk about because they're uncomfortable, because they feel like they're the only one. And you're courageous. You have no qualms about sharing. And I mean, I could see you still feel the emotion of it, but that doesn't mean that you have to hide. And I don't think that hiding is ever really a good thing. As you mentioned, like you couldn't get the help until you opened up and shared with others. And you actually felt more triumphant when you did. So for me, this is an absolutely phenomenal episode and I learned a ton and I'm so grateful to meet your acquaintance. So thank you so much for sharing with our listeners, Petiti. I'm grateful for you, Jeremy. What I can only tell people and leave them with is like, be scared and do it anyway. Be uncomfortable and do it anyway. You will be so happy that you did. I love it. So guys, that's a wrap. And until the next time, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.